Well, let's get into the word. And I don't know how many of you know this, but today is Pentecost Sunday. What does that even mean? Somebody says, well, we're going to learn about that today because it's very important. Uh, I think most of us just know about the day of Pentecost, you know, and, and kind of like what that meant, you know, in the New Testament. But I, I want us to understand and have a full understanding of where it comes from and why it was instituted and everything that it means. So children, you're going to learn something really important today, okay? And uh, also the adults. But sometimes we like to learn through children because we, we should have known this already and we don't. We're like, yeah, you pay attention. And then uh, <laughs> we blame it on them like, yeah, you learned something, right? When we learned it from the first time. <laughs> so the day of Pentecost came um, 50 days after Passover. Okay, the word Pentecost means 50. It comes from the word that means 50. So it's 50 days after uh, Passover, okay? And as a matter of fact, um, in some places in the Old Testament, it, it calls it a week of weeks. So it says that after Passover, they waited a week of weeks, which was seven weeks. Seven of seven. Seven times seven is 49. So it started the day after Passover. That's what from Passover to the day of Pentecost is 50 days, okay? Hope I didn't lose you there. Um, and it's basic math on this too. But um, So I want you to um, open up your Bible with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. And before we get there, I want to give you a brief explanation of what came first, okay? Because we celebrated Passover from our homes. You remember that? How many of you were at home when we celebrated Passover, right? And uh, we learned about Passover, and the first Passover was when? When the Israelites were in Egypt, right? And the ten plagues were happening, and then this last plague of the, of, uh, of the firstborn of every home was going to die in Egypt. And God gave them instructions that said, you know, eat a lamb, post the, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of, of, of your home, and then the angel of death will pass over your home, right? In other words, it will be a sign of protection. And you guys, how many of you did the string over your door, you know, as symbolizing the blood of Jesus over our home, right? And how, how timely it was that we learned about the blood of Jesus and the protection that it is for our lives that no plague will come and harm us, right? Because we're covered in the blood of Jesus, right? It's our protection. So we learned that. And interestingly enough, today... Is been it's been 50 days, seven weeks since that time, since that day. Okay, so the first thing that came was Passover. Can I have my Passover sign? And Benjamin, or would you be my volunteer? Okay, bring bring me that sign and stand over here, please, in front of this step right here. Okay, so Passover. Okay, so first came Passover. Okay, and then children, I'm gonna need another volunteer in just a moment. So. Just pay attention. Now, what did Passover mean to us? Passover then, it was salvation, right? The plague didn't come to them. But Passover to us means salvation, right? Because Jesus died on Passover. He was our perfect lamb. He was the lamb of God that died so that no more animal sacrifices needed to be done. So Jesus died on the cross for us. As a matter of fact, just stand way over here in front of the cross so that all children can remember that Passover. No, right, right here. Right, perfect. Right there. There you go. That Passover is salvation, okay? So say it with me, Passover reminds us of salvation, okay? Jesus died on Passover, 
So then, to us, that is salvation. To the Israelites in Egypt, that was salvation. They were saved from, protected from the death plague, okay? Then the next thing that came was the, uh, and, and you can read all these feasts if you want to study these. You can read them in Leviticus chapter 23, um, and you start seeing where Passover starts on verse 15. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, a little earlier than that. And the next one that comes, it's unleavened bread. Because Passover, and then 50 days later, we have what? Pentecost, okay? Which was actually wasn't called Pentecost back there. It was called the Feast of Harvest. So we're going to learn why, okay? So between the 50, in, in the 50 days between Passover and Pentecost, there's two other feasts, and these feasts are important, and they're, they're significant because uh, the next one was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? Um, now, if you open, uh, I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I also need another volunteer that is not my child. So, uh, a child. Yes, there you go. Come on over. So give him unleavened bread. Perfect. This one. So this is the next feast that comes after that. And you're going to stand right here, my friend. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. All right. And let's, there you go. Turn around like that. Perfect. The other side is for next service. Okay. So then comes the feast of unleavened bread. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And the reason I read this scripture is because the unleavened bread uh, feast represented that and, and reminded them that they had left the old life in Egypt and they were moving towards the new life that God has given them, a life of freedom. Okay? So they were leaving the world and they were going into the promised land. Okay, so what does that mean for us? Well, we've studied that for many years, right? And we talk about how when we left Egypt is when we left the world, when we got saved, okay? And so the unleavened bread feast reminded them the old life is past, is gone, and they're moving into the new life, okay? So so are we reminded and we celebrate that we were saved by Jesus when he died on the cross, he rose again, right? And... That now we have left all things, the past is behind. All things are made new. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. We're moving towards the new life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Say, I have new life. Okay, you following, okay? Then the next feast we have is the feast of the first fruit. So I need another volunteer, please. Child. Another child volunteer. Okay. Oh, come on, Sophie. Perfect. Sophia, you are perfect for this job. This is the, the Feast of First Fruits. Okay, now the Feast of First Fruits. Oh, we need, you need to get your sign there. There you go. Okay, and then, yes, stand right here. Perfectly. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. So you have Passover. Then the next feast was Unleavened Bread. Then the next feast is the Feast of First Fruits. Okay, so the First Fruits... Um, is for thanksgiving, okay? The first fruits is thanksgiving uh, for provision. So it reminded the children of Israel of provision. How many of you know that God provided miraculously for the children of Israel in the desert with manna from heaven, right? 
right? Water from the rock. Like it reminded them of God's provision, right? And then the first fruits is also something that was done back then, where the, and, and we still practice today, right? Where it's taking the first of everything, the first of the crop, the first of the harvest, and the given and giving it as an offering to God, right? That's why when we tithe, we don't just give 10%, we give God the first 10%. It's the first thing in our budget. It's the first thing that we purpose in, us, in our heart because it reminds us of putting God first, right? The importance of putting him first. See, uh, take a step forward. Right? There you go. Now you're in the light. Perfect. See, you cannot forget the Feast of First Fruits with those faces, right? So, salvation, leaving the old life, entering into the new life, remembering provision, right? That he's our provider. And then comes Passover, okay? I'm sorry, Pentecost. So, I need one more volunteer, one more child. Victoria? Okay, perfect. Victoria, get your sign and come over here. And stand right in front of this step. And let's turn it this way. Okay, so now... This one was called the, wow, your hair looks so pretty this morning. <laughs> this was called the Feast of Harvest, okay, or Harvest Festival. And what they celebrated in this one was Thanksgiving for protection and for provision, okay. But there's something interesting here, uh, and it caught my attention, so I want to share it. And then see whatever God speaks to you about that. But something specific about this, the harvest festival, it, was, it marked also the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. And I said, God, I mean, why is that even important, right? And I, so I researched a little bit of barley and wheat, and they kind of look alike. They're very similar, okay? And the difference is that barley grows best in one part of the year, and wheat grows best in a different part of the year. I said, so Holy Spirit, what does that mean? We're celebrating that God will provide for us in any season, okay? And that he will lead us to what to put our hands to, right? See, he, he, God is, is so good. He always leads us to the wells that water. And if a well dries up, God will lead you to another well where there's water. And I thought this was really interesting that they were celebrating, hey, this is the end of barley and the beginning of wheat. In other words, God knows what will produce best for you in each season of life. He knows what, what's the best thing for you. Hey, that was working back then, but guess what? Right now, everything's changing in the economy, and God wants to give you the secrets. Because you've chosen to put him first. He is your savior. You're entering into a new way of life, right? And now he wants to show you his mysteries and his ways and saying, look, the world is changing around. This business is about to dry up, but that one is about to boom. You need to get into that, right? You need to get into that kind of investment. You need to save up for this time. So see, God knows the seasons better than we know the seasons, right? And that's what he showed me. It's like they celebrated the end of one and the beginning of another one just because it grew better in that specific season because they were almost the same. They're really close. They look very much alike. And I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but that's what God spoke to me. And, and I was like, thank you, God, that you're the God that knows what grows when, where, and I want to know that directly from you. See, 
all of this always draws us into a more intimate, closer relationship with God. It's all an invitation to know Him closer. It's always an invitation to know Him deeper and better. It's always an invitation to hear His voice better. And to know, now you're leading me to this. Now you're leading me to this. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so, so first we have what? Passover, which represents our salvation, right? Jesus died on Passover. He delivered the Egyptians, uh, de delivered the Israelites. They came out of Egypt, okay? Then they celebrated uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which means leaving the old life behind, entering into the new life. They were on their way to the promised land, right? Then we celebrate the first fruits, which reminds us of God. Uh, provision and miraculous provision always in our lives. So see, all of these things are to produce thankfulness in us. And then 50 days later comes the day of Pentecost, which comes from the word that means what, children? 50, right? Because it's 50 days after that one. You following me? Okay. And then, which was harvest. And what happens on the day of Pentecost? Well, they, they celebrated every time. You know, they celebrated the harvest. They're, they were thankful for this. It produced thankfulness in their hearts. But then, Jesus says in Acts chapter, well, actually, uh, let's give them a hand so they don't stand here the whole time. And you guys can go to your places now. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Okay. So, Like I said, you can study these feasts in Leviticus chapter 23, and then they repeat again uh, in Numbers and Deuteronomy, and you can see a lot, a lot of that. Um, in Luke chapter 24, let's go to Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to give you a few scriptures, and then we're going to end, okay? Luke chapter 24, and let's go to verse 47. Luke 24:47 It says it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem there is forgiveness of sin for all who repent verse 48 says you are witnesses of all these things and now I will send the holy spirit just as my father promised who's speaking here children who's speaking this Jesus, okay? And he's telling his disciples, now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. Who promised the Holy Spirit? The Father. Is he a good Father? He's a good, good Father, right? So Jesus tells us he's going to send the Holy Spirit. The Father promised to send the Holy Spirit. And then it says, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes. It tells him, wait here until the Holy Spirit comes and fill you with Power from heaven. Say with me, power from heaven. Kids, how many of you know who's Popeye? Okay, well, today I'm wearing my Popeye socks, okay? And if you know something about Popeye is that he's kind of a scrawny, skinny little sailor, right? But what happens when he eats his spinach? Like these muscles just like grow all over his body and he can do anything, right? So what Jesus was telling his disciples and he, what he was telling people is like, there's a promise. My father promised the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus had to leave. How many of you know Jesus did miracles? 
okay? Now, all the word used for Jesus' miracles was mighty works, okay? And it's the same word dunamis that is Jesus is telling us about right here. It says, and the Holy Spirit, and when the, he will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city till the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Say with me, with dunamis. <laughs> same word that is used for all the miracles that Jesus do, all the mighty works, is the word dunamis. And Jesus is telling us that when the Holy Spirit comes on us, it's going to be like when Popeye eats his, eats his spinach. Okay, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we're going to receive, he's going to fill you with power from heaven, with dunamis. That means that he's going to give us the same ability, the Holy Spirit gives us the same ability to, to what? To do the mighty works that Jesus did. I know, it's crazy, right? It's better than Popeye's. Better than Popeye's. See, miracles are not a thing of the past. They're a thing of believers. Miracles is a thing of those that are filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So when we receive the Holy Spirit, he fills you with power from heaven. And then let's go to Acts chapter 1, and let's see when this actually happened and started, okay? You following me? Almost done here, okay? You guys are doing so good. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, say with me, witnesses, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, including Arizona. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, we will be witnesses to him. In other words, here's what, I, what we need to understand. We can say a lot. But it's really powerful when we show a lot. Okay? So you can preach a storm, but if there's no love and there's no power behind it, it's just words. Right? Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit that we could have power to show his love. And it's not just in miracles, signs, and wonders, but there's so much more that the power of God can do to set people free, and to have people experience his love. I mean, we've seen miracles, right? From the age I was 17, 18 years old, I was with Dan in the stadium. We saw probably 50 chairs abandoned at the end of this miracle crusade on the stage because people, what did I say? Chairs, sorry, wheelchairs. <laughs> wheelchairs that came with paralyzed people, right? They just abandoned them. I mean, they're expensive too, but they didn't care. They, people got healed and they, you know, got up and, and left. What is required for that to happen? Jesus did his part. He poured the Holy Spirit. And, and it tells us in um, uh, Luke eleven thirteen that, well, we're going to read in, in a minute. But Luke eleven thirteen tells us that it's for anyone who asks for the Holy Spirit will receive it. So if, if, if we give good gifts to our, to our children being human, how much... More, the Father in heaven will not give his children the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, right? And what does the Holy Spirit bring? Power. Say with me, power, power. right? So what is required for these miracles and these mighty works to happen is for us to have the Holy Spirit and for believers to believe. And there, 
and pray. See, there's something about boldness that gets activated, that activates the power. There's something about putting yourself and putting God on the line that activates the power. See, the Father promised, who, who will get it? Anyone who asks. And how does the Bible tell us to ask? Ask and believe, right? And when we believe and we ask, then give thanks. That's it, because it's by faith that we receive this. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit will only come to those that are holy, or those that are perfect, or those that commit no sin. It doesn't say that. It comes to God's children, because it comes from the Father, to those that believe, to those that ask for it, and it's activated to those that are bold enough to put a demand on it. You know, I'll tell you, one of, some of the most exciting times in my life is when I'm on the line praying for someone that needs a miracle. And you don't know what's going to happen. Results are not up to us. Results are not up to us. We just obey, we believe, and we pray. Results are up to God and the person's heart. We, we don't know. We can't make any kind of judgment about what's going on or not going on. Our job is to be bold and pray. And what happens when we're bold and pray, if you look at Acts chapter 2, now we're going to read this. Um, it says on verse 1, when the day of what day came? The day of Pentecost. So now you know what happened before, right? See, the day on the day of Pentecost, the day where, the, where there was thankfulness, the day where there was um, a celebration for, for the harvests, now the day that is going to produce a harvest, and you're going to see why. It says, the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, check, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, this, the Holy Spirit gave them this gift. Nobody forced it on them, you know. And it says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. It says, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, how are these men who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Okay, so what happened is they started speaking in tongues, and they didn't know what they were saying, but apparently it was the language of many out-of-town people that were in there for the feasts. And they're like, wait a minute, how do these guys know how to, you know, it's like if we're here, and we start speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden people walking by be like, wait a minute, who's speaking, why is someone speaking Chinese? Why is someone speaking Swahili? Why is someone, like, these are Americans, and how do they know how to speak our language, right? And we don't know. We're just speaking in tongues. That's what happened there. So it was a sign and a wonder. It was a demonstration to them of something supernatural. See? And then what happened after that is they, they get bold. They preach. They start seeing miracles. And you know what happens? 3,000 get added to the church that day. Say with me, harvest. harvest. See that on the day of Pentecost, when they celebrated harvests, is when we start seeing a spiritual harvest of souls 
come into the church. That's the, that was the beginning of the church. That's when the church started, right? And then again in Acts chapter 4, guess how many? 5,000 added to the church. Do you know how many millions are believers and children of God all over the world today? Millions and millions and millions of people, and it keeps growing. Don't let anybody fool you. It keeps growing. The gospel is being preached. The good news are being preached. People are getting saved and set free, and they're being added to that number ever since this day. You guys, something started this day, and it hasn't stopped. Something started this day that you and I are part of. And you're like, well, I haven't witnessed to anybody in like 17 years. <laughs> okay, we'll start participating. <laughs> this is for all of us, see? You know how amazing it is when somebody sees the love of God through your life and chooses to say, me too, please. Right? See, we don't have to worry about the miracles and the power. He'll do it through us. He just wants boldness. And what happened to Peter was a transformation. So the Holy Spirit comes with power, but it also transforms you. So Peter, the guy that ran, that got scared, that denied Jesus three times. Okay? The same Peter who had fear of man. When some um, uh, young maid asked him, aren't you with Jesus? While Jesus was arrested and about to be crucified. They asked him, aren't you with Jesus? And he's like, no, no, not me, not me. You know, sure ain't that... And he started cussing, beep, 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 so that they wouldn't identify him with Jesus, right? That, that's how scared Peter was. Not bold at all, right? When he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and power, you know what happens? He's a transformed man. And he got bold. And he got up there in the midst of all those people and started preaching the good news. And 3,000 got saved. How bold are you going to get? See, because it's not about us. You're like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to look. It doesn't matter. You're dead. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you look like, what you sound like. I mean, you were crucified with Christ. And you were raised to new life in Christ Jesus. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. And what you live now, you live in the faith of the Son of God. <laughs> right? So who cares what they think about? We need to preach the gospel of love, peace, right, of grace, the good news. But it needs to come with power, right? And the Holy Spirit gives us that power. You know, Paul said, I don't come to you with eloquent speeches, but with power, with power of the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said, these things and greater you will do in my name. So he gives all believers permission to do the same things he did greater. Amen?